Uh, we uh, begin this uh, sermon series uh, last week, um, or last, yeah, last week on 7 and uh, on Sunday. And what we're, we're going to be doing through the season of Lent on Wednesdays and on Sundays is, explore, uh, is exploring, the humidity's got my tongue, uh, exploring the different sins, uh, particularly what are traditionally known as the seven sins, and how they impact us, how we navigate it, and uh, sort of the solution or antidote to that problem. And of course, it all rests in Jesus. But when Jesus came onto the scene and, and began preaching and teaching, he had some convincing to do. It's not like when he just showed up, everyone instantly became a follower. In fact, even among his own followers, he was betrayed and denied. So it wasn't just as simple as stating a certain number of things to bring people along for the ride. In fact, in one of the gospel readings that we read from Matthew, it talks about Jesus is the light that's come into the darkness. And when he begins to show up and he begins to preach, one of his refrains, one of the statements he says over and over again is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when I hear these words and when I think about Jesus preaching, what conjures up in my head is one of those street corner preachers that sort of wears one of those sandwich boards that says repent for the end is near. And if you were to go into downtown Austin or frankly anywhere and you were to see that, some man with a bullhorn calling you to repentance, would you drop everything and follow him? No, I don't see any affirmatives. In fact, I mean, I, I personally would probably, I've tried actually engaging these guys before, and I don't recommend it. Um, I would probably just go to the other side of the street and keep on walking. And so as Jesus is going around the countryside, and he's calling people to repentance. Do you think that people that hear him just immediately say, yeah, let's do this? Um, no, not at all. He has to live in a way to begin to draw people to him. And so he does a lot of things to do this. He, he not only preaches that you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, but he does something pretty radical. He actually forgives people. This is not common. This is not something you saw. No one had authority to give but God. And here is Jesus preaching a repentance. And when people would repent, he would actually forgive them and speak with a level of authority that drew people into his presence. As he's walking around the countryside and doing his thing, he's healing people. He's calling people to, to be present with him. He's healing them. He's raising them from the dead. He's doing and saying things and demonstrating things in the way he lives, walks, and teaches that as people see him, they begin to listen, they begin to lean in, and they begin to follow. But what is he calling us to repent of? What does it mean to be in the kingdom of heaven or to be near the kingdom of heaven? Well, in the presence of Christ, you were about as close as you could get this side of eternity. And so you get glimpses of this and what Jesus did and what he taught. And so one of the things that he did as he went around healing and, and performing miracles is he would begin preaching and teaching on what was going on as people would have questions and so his sermons actually begin to offer us an antidote to the sin in our life, to be repentant. It offered us a way to be human. And what I mean by human is, mean, I mean be the human, humanity, the way God created you to be, not the twisted, distorted version of what we become because of sin in this world. 
he pulls the curtain back and shows us something else. He invites us to see things the way he sees it. And he begins to shape people, and they begin to hear what he says, and they begin to get pictures of the resurrection life because of what he's teaching, because of what he's saying, and what he is doing. And it's exciting. So you get this play of darkness versus light in the scripture, and Jesus is shining this light into the darkness. And the darkness is our sin. If you were here on Sunday, we, we spent some time talking about sin, and, and if you weren't, you can still listen to it online. Uh, if you missed any of these sermons, you can listen to them online as we kind of step through this. Um, but Jesus is the medicine, the antidote to the sickness, the problem that's identified. And as we go through this series, uh, we're going to identify, of course, as I mentioned on Sunday, this through the seven sins. But tonight, I just want to frame a little bit of what some of the antidote is within Christ and his teaching. And so we're going to actually look at the seven deadly sins sort of parallel to or next to uh, the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. And what do those particular phrases and words mean for us as we confront the darkness in our own hearts and begin to move forward in a way that is meaningful and powerful as Christ calls us to come and to follow. And so as we hear the words of Christ and, and we look at what he teaches, it is a challenge for us to, to respond in a way that leaves sin behind and repents and moves forward towards the kingdom of Christ. And so one of the seven deadly sins we're going to look at on Sunday, we're going to look at the sin of pride. One of the things Jesus says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, which is the solution to pride. Pride is about becoming consumed with yourself and, and being grand within yourself and who you are and others seeing you this way. But those who are poor in spirit aren't as concerned about this. They might move in the background a little bit more. And so on Sunday, we're going to talk about what that means for us. What's the, the key here to address pride? When we look at the sin of envy and the Sermon on the Mount, he says envy is the opposite of those who mourn. And this seems like a little bit of a stretch, but if you think about what envy is, envy is wanting to possess something you don't have, seeing yourself as missing something that others have that you don't. But those who mourn um, understand that they need to hold things in this life loosely because it withers and it fades. You, you don't envy anything if you understand it's not forever. And so you appreciate what you have while you have it when you have it. Sloth versus those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sloth is sort of the sin of, of sort of apathy or indifference or stonewalling or not really engaging in any way with faith or, or life as God gives it to you. And of course the opposite is those who aggressively thirst after and hunger after the righteousness which Christ, which Christ calls us into. And then greed, the opposite of greed is those who give mercy. People who are greedy want to hoard things for themselves, even the goodness of God, perhaps. There's no end to the amount of things that you could want or have or need if greed is feeding you. It's a never-ending, bottomless pit. You never feel secure. But those who give mercy, 
There's no end to the abundance that they have. And they're not seeking. They freely give. The solution to, to lust we're going to explore is the pure in heart, being pure in heart. That is, if you are someone who struggles with the sin of lust, the solution is this purity. You begin to see people not as things to be used, but as something to be valued. You use things and love people. You don't use people for your own pleasure or satisfaction. And so those who are pure in heart don't objectify the other person for their own enjoyment and well-being. And there's anger versus the peacemaker, and this one's probably the most obvious one, right? The sin of anger, anger and, and that revenge and wrathful feeling that sort of is the opposite of what Christ calls us into is, is that peacemaker, that being a person of peace, being able to go to people in a way to mediate something more meaningful and reconciliation as Christ has called us to reconcile not only with one another, but with God. And then there's gluttony versus the persecuted. Here, dealing with the sin of gluttony, it's an access of anything, too much of anything. It can be food, it can be, it can be money, it can be TV, it can be anything that's related to any of the sins. Actually, it's just in excess. You, you just can't stop consuming for yourself. And, and the reason why uh, the persecuted is the opposite of this is because the persecuted uh, can't keep things for themselves. It's taken from them. They can't overindulge. And so there's a correction in this teaching. And through all these things that Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount, as we go through all these seven sins, we'll explore it further, but all of it is an invitation from Jesus to be with him, to walk with him, to follow him. He's not trying to force anything on anyone. It's not that we do works to become saved. That's not the issue. It's just that if you're not following Jesus, then mercy isn't for you. And what I mean by that is, is that as we hear the call of Christ and we go out and follow him, we're going to mess up. We're going to stumble. We're not going to get it perfect. And that's what he died on the cross for. He died on the cross for those who seek to follow him and fail because you are forgiven. But if you hear the call of Christ and you don't want to follow and you don't seek to go where he invites you, then there is no grace for you because it's not for those who don't follow Jesus. The very means by which you receive grace is by following him and failing. If you don't follow him, it's not there. You just live your life. And so we're invited in a way to fully experience the grace because we're all in with Jesus. And as we follow, we learn more and more about our own sin and our own need for grace. And it drives us even more into the arms of Christ. So this is what the journey of Lent is really about. It's meant to drive us to the cross, not out of fear of hell or death, but out of a sense of call and invitation 
which we get to experience love, mercy, peace, and grace. So yes, the sins are there, and we can choose to engage, but Christ offers another way, an antidote. So together, we'll go to the cross and hear what it means to be faithful and forgiven in him. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.